Occasionally there would be a cry in the night and it would be for dad. Not often, but sometimes. And that meant one thing and one thing only. My kids were scared. Now, if it was for mom, it usually meant they didn't feel very good. The new dad was a stinky nurse, and so they always called for mom when they were not feeling very good. But when they were afraid, I'd call for dad. And so I'd stumble into the room half awake, and I'd hear them say, Dad, I'm scared. Sometimes it was a bad dream. Sometimes it was something that they thought was a noise that was scary. But what they really were afraid of was a darkness. And so we'd add some light. We'd turn on the hallway light, turn on the bathroom light. Then I'd kiss their forehead and I'd say a prayer with them that God would protect them and watch over them. And they weren't afraid anymore. I don't think you have to be a child, do you, to be bothered by the darkness? The best description for the darkness, I think, is this, simply the absence of light. It isn't something that you see as much as it is something you don't see. When there's no light, you have darkness. When it's really dark, when darkness is so dark you can't see the hand in front of your face, it becomes something you feel. Did you know that darkness is spoken of over 200 times in the Scriptures? The Bible primarily uses the word to describe what life is like without God. When you choose life without his love, when you refuse to follow his direction, when you choose your foolishness over his wisdom, often you're going to find yourself in a dark place. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Until you grasp the extent of the darkness of this world, I don't think you're going to be able to truly appreciate the light of Christmas. So I want for a moment to talk about the darkness, and I realize this isn't going to fill your heart with holiday cheer. And I don't want to be the Grinch that stole your Christmas, but before we talk about the light, we really need to give some thought to the darkness. So let's begin with this truth. To some extent, our eyes have adjusted to the darkness of our world. The remains of a child are found, and another mother has taken the life of her own little girl. And it's just another segment off the nightly news. One more politician has exploited his position for sexual favors. And it's just another internet headline. A co-worker is arrested for domestic violence. A teenager in the youth group is having a baby and there's no husband. Another teen in middle school has just committed suicide. And we are frustrated because the Domino's pizza guy is 15 minutes late. We are upset because Cabela's promised the gift would be there for Christmas, and now it looks like it's back-ordered. Grr! Darkness. But the reason that we don't always see the darkness, and this is hard for me to admit, but it's true, is that we're a part of the darkness. Did I just really say that to my spouse? Did I I just really let my eyes watch that? My mind think that? Did I, I really just lie to my boss? Last night, did that really happen? What was I thinking? Where'd that come from? You ever caught off guard by the darkness that's in you? I am. There is darkness in each of us, the scripture says. And can I tell you something? It may not be a child 
who says it. Maybe a preacher who says it. But I'm still afraid of the dark. At least the darkness that's within me. There are two things that you need to understand about that darkness if you agree that it's within you. Is this darkness has always been there. It has always been inside of you, even from birth. You felt it when your parents asked you what TV shows you watched while they were gone, and you lied. You felt it when you slipped a Snickers bar into your pants pocket while mom checked out at Walmart. The darkness has always been there. Ask any parent of a two-year-old. They don't have to be taught to, to use the word mind. They don't have to be taught to stick out their tongue and say, No! Or to hit when a toy is taken from them. They just seem to, to know how to do that. But they did need to be taught to share. They did need to be taught to say thank you. They did need to be taught to let somebody else go first. Now the darkness has always been inside. Number two, the darkness is naturally progressive. If left unchecked, darkness is going to grow. And it will eventually take over any semblance of light within you. Some of you have gotten lost in this reality because you thought you could control the darkness, at least in some areas of your life. So, so you tried. But like a dimmer switch, it just got darker and darker and darker, and you've discovered that the darkness will take you further than you want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. It's progressive. You go from yelling at your kids to hitting them. It takes you from a little too much to drink on one night with your friends and all of a sudden now you can't go a day without getting drunk. It takes you from one minute peeking into someone's Google images and then spending hours the next you find yourself looking at the most graphic of images on the internet. It takes you from stealing a few bucks out of petty cash to embezzling thousands. It takes you from just a little credit card indulgence for the moment to two crippling credit cards that are just filled to the brim with debt. And I hate it. But the darkness will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Because it's progressive. There's a song by Casting Crowns that I think captures the progression of this darkness well. The name of the song is Slow Fade. It's one of my favorites, and some of you have heard it. The chorus goes like this. Life can be a slow fade. When you give yourself away, it's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade, choices are made, a price is going to be paid. People never crumble, though, in a day. It's always, always a slow, slow fade. And sister, that's the nature of the darkness. And like a child who wakes up and finds himself in a dark place and they're alone and they're afraid and they're uncertain and they're feeling this sense of panic. Our only hope is to cry out in the dark for our father and say, Daddy, would you let there be light? Please. All right, enough talk about the darkness. Told you we had to do that, but I want to shift real quickly now to what overcomes the darkness, the light. More specifically, the first light of Christmas. And you know his name. His name is, I knew that. Some of you knew it, but you didn't want to say it because you weren't quite sure. His name is, correct for 50. He's the reason for the season. He's the reason why we celebrate this time of the year because into our dark world, God brought 
a light. And to talk about that light, I want us to do something that I think is going to be a blessing for our congregation. That's to spend some significant time in the book of the Gospel of John. We're launching that series today. We're going to be studying at the first of the year. Please mark on your calendars and mark on your day timers, however you want to mark that. It was in the bulletin for the first time today. We're going to be reading through the Gospel of John in 31 days to kick off January. We've done that several times on several different years with different texts, but we're going to do that this year with the Gospel of John. And then on Sundays, unpack what we've been reading. I couldn't think of a better time to launch a study. Wasn't really going to do it till January, but I thought, nah, Christmas time is a great time to start this study. Typically, when we look at the Christmas story, we start with Luke 2. Because it provides a detailed and chronological depiction of Jesus' coming into the world. And I think that's good. But i got to be honest, I love the way that John presents the birth of Jesus, not so much as a series of events, but as a dilemma to be answered. What do we do with this darkness in the world? And maybe even more important, what do we do with this darkness that's within me? That's within us. And so John responds with words that I think every Jew would have recognized as creation words. Words that spoke of the power of light coming into and transforming a very dark world in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. As a matter of fact, all things came into being through him, and without him, not one single thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. What's come into being in him was, say the word, life. Life. And life was the light of all people. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, his name was John, but he came as a witness to to testify to the light so that all of us might believe through him. But he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everybody, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people didn't accept him. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but born of God. The Word became flesh. And he lived among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and full of truth. And the church said, Father in heaven, we come before you having heard again this reminder of the first light of Christmas, a light that was present when this world was created, came storming back in, in a way that not left this world the same sense. And we pray with all of our hearts that we um, not only receive that light, but we share it quickly. We're not the only ones uh, giving honor and adoration to this light today, in this time of joy. Father, we also know that First Pres is, is focusing on joy this morning, the light that brought that joy. And so together with one voice, one heart, we ask that you please unite our hearts together that we would be one light shining in this world of darkness. In Jesus' name we ask it and everyone said.
So Christmas is the answer to darkness. That's the answer. One of the first prophecies Jesus fulfilled when he came is one of my favorite prophecies. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. The weather prophet talks about the time in which the Messiah would come and says, you have this scripture, there we go. There will be no more gloom, no more despair, no more heartache, no more gloom for those who are in distress, for the people walking in darkness. They've seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah was trying to say, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So we see from his birth that bringing light was priority one for him. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring light into the world in general, but please hear me. He came to bring light into your world specifically, into the darkness of your world specifically. Verse 4 in chapter 1 says, In him was life, and life was the light of men. That one little verse is John's whole summary of the entire gospel of John. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in case there's any doubt whatsoever about who Jesus was, Jesus himself says in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me doesn't have to walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, there shouldn't be any wondering then why lights have so much of a part in the Christmas story being told every single year. And I love them. I love them on trees. I love them in our homes. I love them on the sidewalk. I love them on the mantle. I love them here on the Lord's Supper table. I love lights everywhere when it comes to Christmas. Have you ever wondered where the tradition of Christmas lights come from? Actually, you can trace the introduction of Christmas lights to the medieval period of time. Before there was ever electricity, followers of Christ would often take a candle and light it and place it in a prominent place, often in their windowsills, so it could be visible not just to themselves, but to all the world, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's why... What slowly has evolved today are the putting of lights on homes. Some of you have lights on your... If you've got some on your house, raise your hand. All of us other husbands hate you. We have a little strand of lights over our, our, our entryway. That's as far as I got this year. Maybe, 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 maybe a miracle will happen next year. They'll go all the way across the front. But we put lights everywhere and we love it. Even in some of the strangest places like... Don't think he's singing joy to the world, do you? Lights were there then and they are now a reminder that the light of the world has come into the darkness. And so this Christmas season, when you're driving through the neighborhoods or you're stringing up some lights around your house, would you please be intentional and remind your kids, this is because Jesus is the light of the world. These are a reminder that into our dark world, Jesus was born and he's our savior. A light that gave light to all men and drove away the darkness. Some of you need to hear the truth this season that Jesus can really do that. That this isn't just something poetic, it's just not something mythical. No, it's a reality that he came to declare boldly. If you're experiencing the darkness of despair in your life, something maybe has gone not necessarily how you had, you'd scripted it or hoped it would, would you please hear, Jesus wants to be the light of hope in your life. If you're experiencing some anxiety, 
that's all but snuffed out any peace in your life. That's what God wants to be, the light of peace in your life. If you're experiencing the darkness of suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, financial suffering, would you let the light of God's joy shine into your life? And maybe you're in the dark because of your own mistakes or failures. Life hasn't happened to you. You made some decisions that were just poor decisions. You wish you could have a do-over on, but right now you just can't. And so you wonder, how did I get involved in this relationship? How did I get caught up in this debt this time? Would you please let the light of God's grace shine into your life? Friend, I'm telling you, no matter how dark it is right now, the light of Jesus can break through, and he can make a world of a difference if you just let him. Because without Jesus in your life, please hear me, you're living in some form of darkness. That's the flip side of that truth. In John chapter 5 and verse 12, John's bold, but he's clear when he says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son, no life. Without Jesus, you have some version of life. Without Jesus, you have some semblance of life. But you certainly don't have life that lasts forever. And that's an amazing life. So John announces that the light brings life to all men who were being when he was being born into our world. Now what's interesting is, as soon as he makes that announcement in the Gospel of John that, that this light's been birthed into our world, all of a sudden, right there behind it, he says in verse 11, that his own people didn't accept him, though. There were people who shunned the light as soon as it was brought into the world. That's one response that we see from many this time of the year, isn't it? And it breaks my heart. It always breaks my heart. The light that shines in their lives, and yet they say, thanks, but I'll pass. I hope we can make it over to um, the walk through Bethlehem that Burnett has. Anybody here had a chance to go over and see that? Maybe not this year, but sometime? Okay, we've got a, about 10 of us have, have done that. We have one back in Ruidoso that's been going on for about 15 years, at least every other year. It's done, gone on seven times, but for about 15 years. The whole community of churches comes together to put it on because it's a small community and it takes a lot of people to pull that thing off. 30,000 visitors are coming over to the one in Burnet. It's supposed to be really something to go see, so we're trying to make some room in our schedule to do that. But when we did that at home, interestingly enough, their, their walk through Bethlehem doesn't end with a baby in a manger. It ends actually by going through the cross-making room where a guy is pounding out a fresh cross and he, we hear the prophecy of this child's death and it ends at an empty tomb with an angel there standing there proclaiming what that tomb means. For two years I got to be the angel at that tomb. Why is that funny? Not in the notes. Laugh here. No. <laughs> and when I did it, I did it with one of my favorite impressions. And I don't do it very well, but I love the Irish brogue. And so everything that I said while I was at the tomb, I was an angel from Scotland. <laughs> and I shared with the wee pilgrims that came my way the good news that only Jesus, Jesus was the light of the world. But that this light wanted to be birthed into their worlds, their own worlds. See, I told you it was kind of pitiful. But I like playing with it. And you know what the response of the people 
was to that. Most, most of them just loved it. Loved hearing the good news that this child, yes, he may have gone to a death, but, but we would see that he would be raised to walk in a newness of life and give us the hope for that life. But the overall message of that little section was this baby that's been birthed in a manger is going to die for your sins. And he doesn't want to just stop with being birthed into a manger. He wants to be birthed into your life. And you know what? When I got to that part of my little speech, I wish you could have seen the defiance on some people's faces. I don't think they were upset with the brogue. I think they were upset with a baby that wanted in, not just in a manger, but in their lives. They shunned it. They resented it. You could see on their face they defied it. I'd never seen that before. In verses 4 through 5 of John 1, the Bible says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Not only do people just shun it, some of them just don't understand it. And I get that. Some of you have experienced this after you've given your life to Christ and you've tried to explain what happened to some of your close friends and family, and they look like you, like you had just stepped onto another planet. What are you talking about? When you bring the living Christ to those who are dead spiritually, Paul warns, especially in 1 Corinthians, that they often don't understand because they're blind. They can't see. Some of you with kids are going to have them into your home for the holidays, and they're making some decisions that are so obviously being made out of darkness, not light. A dark heart and a dark understanding, and their lives, consequently, are a mess. You're going to find a co-worker who's just about to leave his family for another woman. And what he's convinced is the first real love of his life is about to make the biggest mistake of his life a reality for him. But they're blind to it. There's a fellow that you play golf with and he's continually talking about the beating he's taking in the market. As much as it's gone up, his account has just gone down and down. And you just want to say, but, but think about all that you have. And he has so much. But he can't see it. And so life is just miserable. He could be and should be hysterically joyful most places in the world, but he's not. And he can't see it. There's a book entitled Into Thin Air. It's written by a, game, by a guy's name whose last name is Krakauer. Well into his book, he tells us about Andy Harris. Andy was an expedition leader. He actually took people up to the summit of Mount Everest. And in the book, Krakauer tells of Andy going to the summit and staying just a half hour too long. And on his descent, he became in dire need of some oxygen or he wasn't going to make it back. And so he radioed back to camp, I need extra oxygen. Can you tell me where some is located? And so direct him to where some extra oxygen containers are located. And he gets there and he says, they're empty. The camp says, no, they're not. We, just, we, re we refreshed them just two weeks ago. He says, I'm telling you, they're empty. Have you tried it? No, I know they're empty. Please, just try them. I'm telling you, I know they're empty. His brain couldn't see the oxygen because he didn't have any left. And so Mount Everest claimed one more life, Andy Harris's. It's very difficult for those in darkness, Paul says, to see the light. They don't have it, and so they can't see it. And that's one of the reasons why we have to shine so brightly in this darkness that we're in. So that they have the best opportunity and best hope of getting some of that light on them to open their eyes. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 19, 
John reveals one more reason why people reject the darkness. And this one stings. And it's that judgment that light has come into the world and the darkness preferred darkness over light. Light has come into the world and the darkness preferred darkness over light. Oh my goodness, the darkness has a powerful allure, doesn't it? Primarily because it has a compelling offer of instant gratification. Sex outside of marriage is alluring. We can all admit that. Being able to own the sports car you've always wanted now, even though you don't have the money for it, that's alluring. Vengeance is tempting. A quick thrill on the net is exciting. And often because all those things can be had by us now. Now. And we love that now. We don't like to wait for anything. And so all of us understand the pull of darkness, even though we've welcomed the light into our lives. We know that pull. We're lured by that pull. And sometimes... We welcome it, lock, stock, and barrel. See, it's easy for me to talk to my kids and say, you need to be careful, kids, about what you allow into your mind and in your heart when you're watching television, movies, music. You've got to be careful. It's easy to point them to the light, to warn them to stay away from the darkness, but all of a sudden now they go to bed and the remote control's mine. Or I'm standing alone at the red box and wondering how I'm going to amuse myself for the next two hours and what am I going to take home into my life. It's easy to talk about how others ought to welcome the light into their lives. It's hard sometimes to choose it for myself. But you know what? Knowing all of that, Jesus still came. And even better, he still comes. He still comes, hoping that you will welcome him into your darkness and so that's what I want to invite you to do this morning. How do we respond to the darkness that's in the world and in us? The first thing we do is we welcome the light into our lives. Don't just settle for studying the light. Don't just settle for talking about it, even having a candle in your hand for it. No, you welcome the light inside your life. Because hearing about it is not nearly as impactive as walking in it. David sings about this in Psalms chapter 89. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, O Lord, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exult in your righteousness, for you are their glory and you are their strength. Oh, David, was just singing that like you were singing joy to the world a while ago. The encouragement is to welcome him. Don't turn from him. Don't ignore him. Welcome him. Even though at first it involves revealing some things about your life, you really would just soon not him see. The one who spoke still speaks. The one who came still comes, hoping that you'll choose the light of his love to shine on your face and in your life more so than all the other promised loves. That's the first thing that we do. The second thing, not only do we welcome him, but we share him. Matthew 5 and verse 16 says, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That happens through your acts of kindness. That happens through your acts of kindness, through acts of service, compassion, and love, more than through doctrinal stances, more than through our moral choices. But when your kindness invades the darkness of others, people notice. At the beginning of the summer in 2016, Evie Garrett was going through a darkness of her own. She had suffered an infection in her heel that had led to a complication 
of infection and bone deterioration, and it was just a miserable series. of. It kept her in the hospital for almost a month. A little girl in the hospital for a month. During her first round here in the hospital in Kerrville, some kids from Christian Academy brought Evie a bear, a stuffed bear, and it never left her side. Well, the impact was so great on her and the light that that brought into her darkness, she wanted to shed some light for some other little kids just like her in their own darkness. And so last year they partnered with Build-A-Bear in San Antonio and together they handed out 66 bears. San Antonio and in Kerrville, their goal this year, 120 bears. This time they're adding Fredericksburg into the mix. One of the ways Evie overcame the darkness of her young life was to help drive away the darkness in somebody else's. And that's what Jesus is saying. Would you please not just receive the light, but would you allow it to shine through you and out into other people's lives? She did it through bears. What's God been wanting to do through you that you just not... You've not stepped into some darkness with. You've been putting it off. You've talked about it. You've, you've made yourself promises you would, but it just hasn't happened. Can I encourage you? Can I nudge you? Please, let there be light in somebody's darkness. God so wants to use you like he used his own son. Because there's so much darkness in the world. There's so much chaos. There's so much brokenness. Again, God says, come here. Can we use you to let there be light again this Christmas? We're going to sing a song here in a moment that, uh, that I think is one of my favorite songs that's connected to light in any form or fashion. And it's a song of praise about this light of the world that stepped down into our darkness and opened up our eyes to let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you and a hope of a life spent with you here I am because of that God to worship to worship and I just want to say this morning is that what you want to do with this song or do you want to run from that light please don't run please welcome it I don't care how dark the darkness is his grace will cover it my friend I know it's a little bit painful to let that light shine in to illuminate some of the stuff that's going on, but you let it shine in. Maybe it's already shining and it's, it's bothering you. Don't stop it, bother. Don't stop it, bother. Welcome it. Embrace it. Put your faith in it. And if you're ready to go public with it, then we'll baptize you in the Christ so that the whole world can know that the light of Christ has come into your life. But we're going to sing this song right now. If you need to respond in any way, you come down to the front or come to the back and we will hopefully... Put a little bit more light in your life. Let's stand. Let's praise him, church.